Let's, uh, let's try and finish our, our, at least this chapter. Um, the trees, and I know the word trees occurs right here, but it's not as if this got added on because we've jumped a verse and it's not written the same way in Hebrew. So, But the trees of the forest will sing for joy before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Does that sound familiar? It's in a lot of Psalms. It's in a lot of Psalms. A very Davidic thing to say. Whoops, skipped one. Say, save us, O God of our salvation. Anybody know what save us is in Hebrew? Hosanna. Gather us and save us from the nations to give thanks to your holy name, to glorify you by praising you. So gather us together, like throw out the net because we're all in the water. And why do we want you to save us, Lord? Is it because we're so nice? No, we want you to save us so we can give you thanks and praise you. So blessed is the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. From as far back as it goes to as far forward as it'll ever go. From forever to forever. And then all the people said, Amen, and praised the Lord. What does Amen mean? So shall it be. So be it. The truth. Or Luther, this is most certainly true. People said amen and praised the Lord. David left Asaph and his relatives there before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to minister before the Ark continually, to do whatever was needed each day, along with Obed-Edom and 68 relatives. Is 68 some kind of a magical spiritual number? No, no. It's, there was one more than 67. It's a historical number. That's just how many they had. But does it tell us that David knew how many people were there? Yeah. Does God know how many people are in this room? Yes. The Lord knows those details. There's some gospel there. Obed-Edom, son of Jeduthun and Hosa, served as gatekeepers. We've been told that before. David left Asaph and his... Oh, uh, I'm sorry. To do whatever was needed each day. So what was needed before the ark? Well, Leviticus tells us that it's really the altar and the lampstand that needed daily work. The lampstand inside the holy place was supposed to get um, just checked and refilled twice a day by the high priest, not the church custodian. The high priest was supposed to add the, the oil to that thing to make it work properly. And then the high priest was also supposed to take new wood and stoke up the fire on the altar every day himself. It was his responsibility. If he had a cold or something, I suppose he could appoint one of his sons, but he was responsible for doing it, make sure that it happened. So, however, that's before the altar and David's not talking about the altar, so I'm not exactly sure what David means here unless they were making sacrifices without an altar. Um, so that's a little problem here. David's heart was in the right place, but not everything is being done exactly right yet. Zadok the priest and his fellow priests were assigned to the tent of the Lord at the high place in Gibeon. So the actual tabernacle is, as I said, it's over kind of on... On, uh, what highway is that? That little jog 
from high V out to 37. So it's like that if our church was here but the altar was out on 37, would it seem right to you? You know, if you came in to put new flowers on the altar and you had to drive out there and not here, you know, it's, things are kind of broken apart, right? Versheveled. Versheveled, thank you. Versheveled is not a word I've heard before. That's, I like that. So, so Zadok the priest is out there to present burnt offerings to the Lord upon the altar for burnt offerings regularly, morning and evening, there it is, according to everything written in the law of the Lord, which he commanded Israel. What was supposed to be offered twice a day? What was the offering? A lamb. A lamb. How many lambs is that? It's a lot. It's 800 something each year, right? Just the morning and evening sacrifice. Where'd they get them all? Well, the Bible tells us they grew them. Evidently, if, if you read... Um, Oh, uh, 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 Pastor Sharp's text, right? This weekend, Amos 7. Um, he raised sheep and got grazing rights by um, ripening the, the, the fig trees and so forth. So um, uh, they grew them, they, they ra- grew them, they raised them at Tekoa and probably at Bethlehem and maybe some other nearby towns like Gibeon around Jerusalem. They raised lambs for the sacrifices and for people to buy them then for like Passover and so forth. So they, there was a, a whole industry of yearling lambs. Um, uh, so here we learn that the, there's Jerusalem and Gibeon, if you can see the kind of blue part there. Um, this is actually a photograph from Gibeon to Jerusalem. So... It's, I mean, by sight, it's not, it doesn't seem like it's that far. You can imagine seeing, well, you can see the spire of St. Paul's as you're driving down the highway, right? As you, and, and the cathedral's spire as well. Um, but there you go. So with them were Heman, Jeduthun, and the rest of those chosen and designated by name to give thanks to the Lord because his mercy endures forever. A repeat of the psalm. With them were Heman and Jeduthun to make music to God with trumpets, cymbals, and musical instruments. The descendants of Jeduthun were assigned to the gate. Um, so that guy gets mentioned a couple times here. Then all the people departed, each to his own house, and David returned to bless his house. And I use some photographs there that aren't mine. Any questions on this chapter? We have some interesting stuff in the next chapter too. Can we get into part of 17? Is that okay with you? Um, We just have a couple minutes left here. David decides that he wants to build a building for God's worship. So David is going to come up with the idea of blueprints. Um, By the way, how old is the, anybody know how old the concept of blueprints is in America? when they started doing that? It's not that old. Um, Blueprints got made blue about the time that the very first photocopier was made. And the reason is because those early photocopiers couldn't see blue. Oh, do you get it? If you want to keep your your blueprints, your, your, your plans, secret or your property 
it, it would be good to make them in a color that a copier can't see. So that was, that was done. By the way, uh, many states have statutes that our Minnesota still does. Um, I cannot sign a wedding license in blue ink. I have to sign in black ballpoint. I think for the same reason. Um, I've had couples get upset with me because they purchased this fancy quill pen for me to use for the signing of the license ceremony. And it's blue ink and I, I can't use it. Then they get all mad at me. Well, it's not my fault. And by the way, I told you at your, at your, uh, at your class, I make a big deal out of that because couples do that sometimes. But oh well. The law is the law. The Lord's covenant with David. After David was living in his own house, so he had built it with wood that got sent down to him from the northwest, he said to Nathan the prophet, Look, I am living in a house of cedar, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord sits under tent curtains. And Nathan said to David, Do everything that is in your heart, because God is with you. But that night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan, Go and tell David my servant these things. Did Nathan answer David too quickly? Well, no. But I mean he didn't build the he didn't build the temple overnight, so no, not too quickly. This is what the Lord says. You will not be the one to build a house for me to live in, for I have not lived in a house from the day when I caused Israel to go up from Egypt until this day, but I have been in a moving tent as my dwelling place. So God says, I, I live in a tent. Don't build me a, a temple, David. In all my traveling about with all the Israelites, did I ever speak a word with one of the judges of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people or ask, why have you not built a house of cedar for me? So God says, I don't need it. Now you are to say the following to my servant David. This is what the Lord of Armies says. I took you from the pastures, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you went. I have cut off all your enemies before you. I will make a reputation for you like the reputation of the great ones in the earth. Who were the great ones at David's time? If you're going to mention the great people of the past and George Washington and Ulysses S. Grant and Pierre Paquette, the founder of Poinette, Wisconsin, have not lived yet. Who would you point to? Well, that one guy uh, way back at the time after the, after the flood, who was the great warrior? Nimrod. Remember that name from, you know, and then I suppose Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and a few guys like that. Great, great names in the past. Maybe some pharaoh uh, from the past or something like that, Sesostris or something. But God says, I'll make a reputation for you, David, like, like those guys. I will establish a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them there. They will dwell there. They will not be disturbed anymore. I will not allow wicked men to devastate them again as I did in the beginning. And as it happened during the times when I commanded judges over my people Israel, but I will subdue all your enemies. So God promise, promising victory for David to keep coming. I declare to you that the Lord will build a house for you. So think about that as God's answer. David says, I want to build you a house, O Lord. And what does God say in reply? He says, 
not just know, but I want to build a house for you. Don't build a house for me. I'm building a house for you and all of Israel. So let's not talk about making me permanent, the Lord says. Let's talk about me making you permanent. So let's get a house for you. When your days are completed, you will go to be with your fathers. I will raise up your seed after you from among your sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He will build a house for me. I will establish his throne forever. How do you understand verses 11 and 12? Who is God talking about? This sounds like a prophecy about Jesus, doesn't it? How did David probably take it? One of his sons. Yeah, yeah. Now, God continues here. And this can be taken completely as Christ, or it could be Christ plus, right? Well, I'm going to come back to that. So 13 and 14, I will be his father, and he will be my son. My mercy will not I will not take away from him as I took it from the one who was before you. God won't even mention Saul by name. I will cause him to stand in my house and in my kingdom forever. His throne will be established forever. Now the Hebrew word olam can simply mean a really super long time. And we often translated it forever. But it really just means unbounded time. So a long, a long, 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 long time. Could that still be one of David's sons? Yeah, a long time, a thousand years or more, could be one of David's sons. Um, who, wh- can you think of a, of, a, of a descendant of yours who will be living a thousand years from now? In 3,021? You know, I don't know. Yes, his name will be Ardwolf and he will live in New Zealand. I, don't, I have no idea. You know, what will things be like a thousand years? What was English language like a thousand years ago? Chayat! You know, we don't even understand old English now. Um, So who knows what it'll be, what things will be like then. And their uh, their hover chairs and whatever else will be going on. Um, uh, And uh, will will they climb into an elevator to get to the moon? You know, I, I don't know what's going to go on. So, But let's read a couple of verses. Mark 1.11. A voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Luke 1. He will be great and will be called son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Who is talking here? To Mary. Gabriel. Gabriel giving her a message. And then Hebrews. For to which of the angels did God ever say. You are my son. Today I become your father. Or again I will be his father. And he will be my son. So there, we maintain that there are two kinds of prophecy. And if you continue to wonder. If there are really any differences. Between the Wells and the Missouri Synod. Here is where one of them squirts out. Okay. Because um, the Missouri Synod denies that there is anything apart from direct prophecy in the Bible. Whereas we will allow that there could also be indirect prophecy in the Bible. So that God says one thing about one, and the classic example is this. 
God talking about Christ, but also kind of Solomon. So that one reflects the prophecy in, in, a, in, in a dimmer way, but Christ receives all of the bright glory of the prophecy in every way. It, um, does that seem like that can happen? It seems like that can happen to me. And I'm not sure why the LCMS has taken a stand on this when Walther, their founder, um, accepted indirect prophecy and talks about it in his writings. But today the LCMS has diverged from that. There are also issues about church and ministry and, and the place of the pastor and the congregation and so forth that um, we just theologically disagree with. Our, our theology of how, we're, how, how we go to heaven is otherwise identical. It's too bad that we can't come together um, in, uh, in, uh, in, in doctrine and fellowship. But for the moment, we're not together. This is one of the reasons. Okay. Nathan told David all the words that had been revealed in this vision. Then King David went and sat before the Lord. Probably where? Where would David have sat down? I think it might have been before the tent where the ark was. I think may have, David may have just taken a camp stool or something or a folding chair or whatever he had or a log or sat down on the ground or something in, or in front of the tent where the ark was. And David said, so David prays now, who am I, Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me to this point? Yet this was a small thing in your eyes, God. You have spoken about the house of your servant for a long time into the future. You have revealed to me the course for the man who will arise, Lord God. What more can David add to you for honoring your servant? You know your servant. Lord, for the sake of your servant and according to the plan of your heart, you have carried out this great thing by making known all these great promises. Lord, there is none like you and there is no God besides you as is apparent from everything which our ears have heard. Who is like your people Israel? It is the one nation on earth for whom God went out to redeem a people for himself to make for yourself a great name by doing great and awe-inspiring things in order to drive out nations in front of your people whom you redeemed from Egypt. You adopted Israel as your people forever. You, O Lord, became their God. Now, Lord, the word which you have spoken about your servant and about his house will stand firm forever. Who does David seem to think God is talking about? I keep looking at the word house and I keep thinking, is David thinking of Christ? Or is David thinking of maybe his, you know, is David thinking of Christ as his descendant? Down the road he could be, right? Or could he be thinking about his immediate descendant, Solomon? So I just want us to think about that. It will do as you have spoken. It will stand firm. Your name will be great forever. It will be said, the Lord of armies is the God of Israel. The house of David, your servant, will be established before you. For you, my God, have whispered into the ear of your servant that you would build a house for him. Did God actually whisper into David's ear? Well, who did God use to whisper to David? Nathan, the prophet, right? We should come back to that one when we talk about prayer uh, another time. Um, that is why your servant has dared to pray before you. Now, Lord, you are God and have said these good things concerning your servant. 
Now you have been pleased to bless the house of your servant to be forever before you. For what you, Lord, have blessed is blessed forever. So I'll, I'll just ask again. Um, it, it seems more likely that David is thinking about the distant fulfillment of this, right? The fulfillment forever, which would be through Christ. Um, but David is thrilled that it will be through whose family? His own family. So now in David's mind, this promise God made to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah, and now David. So um, David is in, in a way kind of giddy and overwhelmed to be taken up into this into this narrowing of the prophecy as we go from generally in, in Abraham down to Isaac, down to Jacob, down to one of Jacob's sons, and now Judah, and now to one part of the house of Judah, which is David's own family, which is going to be, for the next couple hundred years, what a mixed bag of almosts and yuck. Um, uh, so, but nevertheless... Um, coming down finally in Christ. Did I go too fast here with the psalm and so forth, or was that about right for you? Was it okay? We have more story coming up now um, in the chapters to come, and uh, we're getting up to where I think we're approaching Solomon here pretty soon. So, all right. Let's close with a benediction. Or should we sing today? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Orleans, Minnesota.